You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani alongside Eric Dalala, coming to you as we do every week, uh, coming off the loss to the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. We have a great show in store for you. We'll be uh, talking to Eric Allen of the NewYorkJets.com, uh, get his thoughts on the Broncos' upcoming matchup against the Jets. Um, no player interview this week, though, because, hey, the Broncos are in a shorter week, so change the schedule up a little bit. That means we change up the neutral zone, right, Eric? Yeah, I mean, you got to. Short week, short neutral zone, we still got good stuff we planned. S- yeah, please uh, listen. And uh, as always, we'll have a couple of callers on the line and uh, play some games with them. So uh, let's dive into this game against the Chiefs, uh, Eric. What do you think it seemed like for a half? The Broncos were playing with one of the best teams in the league, leading at halftime, and then come fourth quarter, things unraveled a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so we've got a, an article on denverbroncos.com called Cover 4, and that goes up right after our game. It's a little plug there. A little plug, a <laughs> little pluggy plug. It goes up right after the game, and one of the things in there is, is the turning point. And as I was writing that on uh, on Monday night, for much of the game, what I had as that turning point was after Case Keenum's interception at the beginning of the second half, the Broncos' first offensive possession of that half, the Broncos' defense held strong, and they didn't allow the Chiefs to score points. The Chiefs had obviously taken the first possession of the second half, scored a field goal to tie it. The Chiefs, at that point, I thought, had a chance to really kind of take over the game and score a bunch of points like they have been the rest of the year, and the Broncos didn't let them do that. And I thought that was huge and proved that the Broncos can play with this team. It worked in the Broncos' favor because they were then able to build a 10-point lead and were it not for those last couple of possessions, I think you'd walk out of this game feeling really, really good about what the Broncos can do in the AFC West. Unfortunately, they weren't able to close it out. So what was your real turning point? The real turning point was uh, Patrick Mahomes taking over on that last drive. You know, he had the left-handed pass. He had the second and 30 that he finds for 23 yards and the third and seven that he goes, I think, 25 yards down the field. He just he took over. And, I mean, that's unfortunate for Broncos fans because the Chiefs only scored 13 points the rest of the game, and then in seven minutes they scored 14, and that won them the game. I think that, you know, as a fan, you you watch that game, you think the Broncos are playing a great game, keeping it close, but you know that when you, you, you're you facing a quarterback like that on the other side, you got to finish, finish the deal because they're never out of a game. And one thing I noticed that was – Somewhat troubling to me was that these Broncos pass rushers so great at getting after the quarterback week after week, and we saw them do a great job with Russell Wilson keeping him contained. And that's something that just didn't happen with Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes not really a threat to take off and run. He said that even after the game. He's like, look, I'm not fast. But what he is capable of doing is sliding around the pocket, stepping up into the pocket, and then rolling out and being able to throw really anywhere on the field. We saw him do that a couple of times where he threw it against the you know grain of where how he was throwing. And it was just disappointing to see him get loose because, like Chris Harris said after the game, we were covering forever on those guys. Yeah, and Vance Joseph uh, on Tuesday when he spoke to the press said, hey, we did a really good job of covering those first routes. But then when he got outside the pocket and they became kind of – there was another cut there or another move, that's where the Broncos struggled uh, to stay in coverage. 
if I kind of have an explanation for why Mahomes was able to get out, maybe the Chiefs' offensive tackles are just a little bit better than what the Seahawks had to offer in week one. And when you're playing a game like this with such a razor-thin margin for error, that was enough to give Mahomes time to make those throws. Yeah, but you would think that like uh, a guy like Vaughn or Bradley Chubb, Shane Ray, they'd be able to realize they were too far up the field and then retrace back to where where they came from because what Mahomes was doing, stepping up into the pocket, not looking to take off, but then he would slide back out to the sides. If they would just retrace where they came from, they'd be able to meet him there and maybe come up with a sack. I know they only came, you know, walked away with a one sack, Todd Davis there, but... You know, it's just uh, it's just tough when you see him running out there and making plays all over the field. And, you know, uh, that defense just did such a great job, except right down at the end there. And it kind of just gives you a bad feeling in your stomach when you know that they've got them pinned second and 30 and you can't get them off the field. That's true. I will say I do feel better about this defense, especially the secondary after watching the game on For Monday sure. night because you hold the Chiefs to 27 points, which I believe is the fewest they've scored all year. Um, they've been, I think they have, were averaging like close 39. To 40 points, yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. So that was really promising. But what I liked was that, and I know sitting near you in the press box, there are times when you're like, that, that receiver's uncovered or there's nobody on him. The Broncos were waiting to the last second to bring down either a corner or a safety to cover certain receivers, and then somebody would shift back yeah. uh, into that single high safety look. And it wasn't really giving Mahomes a chance to say, hey, here's what the Broncos are doing. We know last week after Baltimore that Chris Harris Jr. said, we got to disguise more. And over and that. over again on passing downs, the Broncos did that. Yeah, no, I thought that they did a great job, especially in the first half, of being able to try and make Mahomes think a little bit longer, not being able to recognize things pre-snap. But, you know, uh, that second and 30, maybe you want to see them blitz there a little bit. Maybe you want to see them make Mahomes get rid of the ball right away because then they become a little more predictable. You know that it's got to be a slant. You know that it's got to be a quick fade. You know, you, you force them into some situations instead of the other way around. Yeah, and I think on that second and 30 in particular, you either want to see them blitz with, you know, some some backup coverage. But I, I would have preferred they rushed four. I'm fine with that. But then you got to be in zone in the back end. You can't rush four and then be in man. You either got to you gotta have some combination that's not that. Um, I, I know something else that you – were interested in particular was that three and out that the Broncos had between those two Chiefs touchdown drives. To me, that and then Royce Freeman not getting a carry up 10 in the fourth quarter, those were two uh, interesting things to me. Yeah, those two things, plus then just missing the Demarius Thomas. He looked like maybe if he comes down with that catch, you're talking about a completely different ending here. You're talking about Case Keenum leading the Broncos on a on a two-minute drive to win the game on Monday Night Football. And you know, I think you can't look at all the negatives, but I also think you can look at the positives too. And like you were mentioning, look, the defense showed us a different side that we haven't seen. And I think that you look at the running backs, like you mentioned, Royce Freeman had such a great game. He's tied um, with Saquon Barkley for the most touchdowns amongst uh, rookies. So, you know, there are some positives to take away from this game. And I think it's important to recognize those things and make sure that this loss doesn't linger into next week. Yeah, and we were talking about this before recording, but if you think back to the 2016 season, uh, the Broncos obviously had a winning record uh, for most of the way. You get to that 
week 10 game against Kansas City that the Broncos lost in overtime. They went on the road the next week and beat Jacksonville. And then you had a really key game in Tennessee where it seemed like the whole season could turn there. And the Broncos were close the whole game. I know DeMarcus Ware sacked Marcus Mariota down near the goal line. And it seemed like the Broncos might be able to pull out a win. And they weren't able to. And that was a team that they probably needed to beat in order to make it to the playoffs. And they would have made the playoffs if they beat that team. This game, to me, has a similar type feel. You're going on the road against a young quarterback in Sam Darnold, and it's a game that the Broncos should win if they want to uh, to make the playoffs. And, Phil, I know you kind of feel the same way that I do. This could be a turning point for this season. Yeah, most definitely. I think if you look back through seasons, every season has a turning point, whether it's good or bad. You know, you think back to the year the Broncos won the Super Bowl, winning against the Patriots in overtime, a huge win. Uh, the win against the Packers, a huge win. So, and then, you know, even t- looking back at last year, the loss to the Giants, you know, sort of started things to spiral a little bit. And, you know, you don't want that to happen this week. And, you know, just getting a sense from the players in the locker room afterward, you get a sense that they're so hungry. They want, they, there's a lot of fight left in this team. And, you know, you're going to find out the character of this Broncos team a little bit this week because they lost two in a row. This is a team that, you know, is in, you know, in flux right now after winning two, losing two. And then you you want them to come out and have a game that's not even close and just really put it all together and have a comfortable lead going into the fourth quarter where, you know, hey, they put it a solid out, you know, and got a solid performance and got a great outcome. And we'll see uh, if that happens this weekend. We'll preview that a little bit more um, at the end of the show. But first, we're going to get to my conversation with NewYorkJets.com Eric Allen to hear his take on what the Broncos can expect this weekend. Back here on the neutral zone, and even after a tough loss on Monday night, we're looking ahead to a trip to the Big Apple we're joined now by NewYorkJets.com senior reporter Eric Allen. He's going to help us preview this Sunday's game against the Jets. Eric, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks so much for having me. We're looking forward to, to having you guys here for uh, week five. I can't believe we're hitting the, the second quarter of the NFL season already. I know it's going by fast. Uh, when we get out there this weekend, the guy that everyone is excited to see, I'm sure, is the third overall pick in the NFL draft, somebody that – when the draft was going on, there were rumors that the Broncos were going to trade up to get that Sam Darnold uh, out of USC. So far, four touchdowns, five interceptions. What have you liked from him, and where does he need to get better for this team to improve on a one and three record? Uh, he's very mature for a twenty-one-year-old. I mean, the book on him was say this guy's a flatliner, and he's been nothing but. You think about the way he started his NFL career: first pass against the Detroit Lions, return for a touchdown, a pick six going the other way. But uh, he showed his mettle and resolve uh, coming back against the Lions, completing like 16 of his next 20 passes for 198 yards. And, and the Jets won that game in a romp. And then he's experienced some bumps the last three weeks. The Jets currently uh, riding a three-game losing streak, and, and they find they have found different ways to lose ball games over the last three weeks. But you know what I liked about Darnold against Jacksonville specifically was the Jets took some shots down the field. And uh, most of him in the early going has been a lot of short and intermediate work. Well, he didn't complete the passes against Jacksonville, but there were some near misses 
the Balapa, Quincy Anunwa, and then Robbie Anderson in the second half, and despite being dominated for most of that ball game, Jets were down twenty five to twelve when Darnold had a streaky a streak and Robbie Anderson open. He hits it's a twenty five nineteen game and who knows what's happened. But listen, he's on the playbook. Uh, if physically what you like about him the most is what he can do with his feet. I think he's a very instinctive player. He's accurate on the run. Uh, you know, he's starting to see things clear. He's confident about that. He has made some mistakes in the early going. But like I said before, you got to expect that out of the rookie quarterback. And I think the Jets knew that all along. But uh, he's a smart guy. He's heady. He's level-headed. He's on the playbook. That's what Jeremy Bates has said about him. Um, and it's physically what you really like about Darnold is his instinct and his vision. Now, the things that where he's got to improve on, improve upon, is that uh, I think sometimes maybe I want to stay in that pocket uh, a little bit longer when it's clean, as opposed to getting out so quickly. And the Broncos going to pose a big time test here against the Jets, and we all know that. But uh, I think Darnold's just going to get better and better, and he's going to learn from each experience. And how do you think after two consecutive games on the road, that Thursday nighter against Cleveland? Uh, which was a close game, and then last week at Jacksonville. How can being back at home this week help him, do you think, uh, maybe settle down a little bit? Yeah, I think it's huge. The Jets have only played one home game today, like you just mentioned, and that was against Miami Dolphins. And that game uh, uh, was interesting because Darnold ended up throwing for 334 yards, becoming the youngest quarterback in NFL history to throw for more than 300 yards. But the Jets were playing from behind, Early on, they were lost the field position battle, and then Darnold was intercepted by T.J. McDonald. He didn't see the veteran safety, and the Dolphins followed up by getting a touchdown off of that. They followed it up with another takeaway, and it was 14-0. So Darnold was uh, forced into, uh, you know, the Jets had to throw the football. They were down 20 to nothing at one point in that game, and that was his only home appearance to date. I think getting back to the friendly confines of MetLife Stadium, it, it will be good for the rookie. But uh, make no mistake, I think the Jets got to make some plays early in this ball game because their fan base, this fan base, is uh, hungry for a win after starting the season with such an impressive showing against the Detroit Lions on the road, and then uh, they really took one on the chin against Jacksonville. So I know Darnold and company, um, you know, and Darnold to the media. And throughout the building, he said, listen, it's one team, one goal, and it's going to start clicking for us. So I'm sure he's going to be happy coming back to New York. And this is the start of a three-game run at home for the Jets because after they play Denver, Indianapolis is going to come to town, and then that will be followed up by the Minnesota Vikings. So the Jets got a chance to do some things and change their record around. Yeah, Eric, you mentioned some impatient fan bases. I think the, the Broncos fans are feeling the same way. We heard some some boos last night at uh, Broncos Stadium at Mile High when things weren't uh, going the way they wanted. High expectations, obviously, for both teams, um, even though neither team has a winning record at the moment. wanted to ask you a bit about the running back situation there because it seemed like the first few weeks Isaiah Crowell uh, really kind of got the bulk of the carries, and that's that's kind of switched as of late. Is that Am I reading that right? Well... They didn't carry the ball too much at all, either one of those guys. It's a running back by your committee because I consider him co-number one. So you got Bilal Powell here, 
who I, I think uh, through four games he's got more attempts than Isaiah Crowell. And Crowell didn't get uh, uh, many carries against Jacksonville, but when you look at it, I believe that the Jets had 14 attempts the entire game. And again, there's another scenario where they want to avoid it. They want to have a balanced offense, and that's one of the reasons why Jeremy Bates was promoted from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator is how Bowles likes his commitment to the run. The problem is, as you know, is that it's hard to stay committed to the run when you're down double digits, and that's what happened against Miami, and then that's what happened uh, most recently against Jacksonville. But the way the Jets like both of these backs, uh, you know, the run in that, um, the run of the zone system that you guys are very familiar with in, in Denver. Um, and, and both of these guys are patient and, and they can move well laterally and then they'll explode through the hole. The other thing that both of the, uh, the backs can do here with the Jets, they can catch it out of the backfield. But I think what you're going to want to see here this weekend from the Jets, I know it. Is they they want to stay committed to the run and to to be committed to the run, you got to make sure that scoreboard is not lopsided because they they face double digit deficits in two of the last three games. That was part one of my conversation with Eric Allen of NewYorkJets.com. Got into a little bit of detail there about the Jets' offense led by Sam Darnold. We'll talk more about their defense in just a minute and kind of talk about this week's game. But first, we've got our first fan on the line for a Limerick Challenge. Who do we have calling in today? we got Zach Cooper from Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. How are you a uh, Broncos fan out there? So actually, uh, been in D.C. for a few years now. Grew up in uh, West Virginia. West Virginia, there's not much of a pro team pool there. Um, so grew up uh, watching John Elway uh, and Terrell Davis and have just uh, been in love ever since. Sound just like Phil Milani uh, right there. Well, uh, thank you for uh, supporting this team. They uh, can use the support. Absolutely. We're going to get into our Limerick Challenge here. To explain how it works, I'm going to read you three Limericks related to the Broncos game against the Kansas City Chiefs. The last word or phrase is going to be missing from the end of each one. If you can get two out of the three correct, we're going to send you a Broncos prize pack, and you'll be a winner here on the neutral zone. Sounds like a plan. All right, let's get it started. With the play clock winding down, the Chiefs had the ball, and it sure did appear a zero was up on the wall. But no flag got thrown, which made the crowd groan, and it ended up being quite a big blown call. There you go, exactly. Yeah, no call, a blown call. Um, There we go. (laughs) If you ask Chris Harris Jr., it certainly looked like there was a zero up on that play clock there. Uh, on a third and there seven. There was a zero. <laughs> there Joseph. was a zero. I, I I sent out a tweet and everything. Vanja Joseph agreed in the uh, in the post game interview, so that was good. That was good to hear. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't change thing. The Broncos uh, weren't able to get stops on the ensuing plays, uh, and that led them to their final drive, and that's uh, where this limerick comes in. When Cortland caught the ball, things almost got much radder. Then the DB hit him, and Broncos fans got sadder. He couldn't make the play that would have saved the day. How great would it have been to convert the... Hook and ladder. There you go, exactly. Yeah, they uh, you know, they had that third down pass to Demarius Thomas down the sideline. Looked like he was open. Fortunately, Keenum uh, overthrew him a bit. So they came back to that fourth and ten. 
hit Cortland Sutton on a little hitch, looked like Emmanuel Sanders was coming along behind him. He had him open, but he got nailed in the back as he was uh, tossing the ball back, and it hit the ground. That yeah. was the end of the game. Uh, I just wonder if they uh, call that the SMU connection in practice with uh, Cortland pitching it to Emmanuel. Yeah, it'd be a that'd be a good name for it, and man, that would have probably gone down in the uh, the history books if Sanders had been able to catch that and uh, get into the end zone. For sure. Uh, you're already a winner here, but let's uh, see if you can go three for three. Let's do it. Through three weeks, there wasn't much he hadn't done. Mahomes was throwing dimes, and he was having fun. With 13 touchdown throws, he was the best among the pros. Against the Broncos, though, Mahomes would throw just one. Exactly. The uh, the Broncos played a really good game against Patrick Mahomes, which makes the, the loss even a little bit harder to stomach. They let him throw just one touchdown pass after he had 13 coming in. Unfortunately, uh, you know, he he made a count there toward the end, also scored one with his legs in the first half. Uh, congratulations. You're a winner on the neutral zone. Thanks for joining us here. Awesome. Uh, looking forward to the prize. <laughs> Got it. You definitely got a new fan in the podcast now, too. Awesome. We appreciate it. Make sure to tell all your friends to uh, listen and subscribe and get that Broncos fan base uh, going in Washington, D.C. Yes, sir. And now we're going to go to part two of my conversation with Eric Allen of NewYorkJets.com, dive into a little bit of what the Broncos offense can expect when they face that gangrene defense. Let's talk about some of the Jets' kind of defensive stars there. Got Jamal Adams at safety. He's uh, he seems like he's in the news a lot. And then we got Leonard Williams, a former first round pick up front for you guys. Yeah, the Jets have uh, first round picks uh, throughout the defense. And let's start with Jamal Adams. I think he's been very impressive in his second season. Like you said, uh, he's on social media a lot, so he's on and he's in the news quite a bit. But uh, he plays with his hair on fire, and he is an explosive ball player. Uh, I think in the Jets' defense, you would consider him more the strong safety. The Jets got Marcus May back in action last week uh, against Jacksonville. He had missed the previous three games. But the Jets like that tandem, and May becomes more of your free safety. But Adams is a guy who come up, walk up to the line. He's reading better, and he'll diagnose quickly, and he's a sure tackler for the most part. Um, he's the kind of guy who gets his hands on you. Most guys are going down in a heartbeat. And he also plays with a lot of fire. Um, I think he is uh, seeing things better in the past game in the second season. Uh, he is one of those energizer guys. When he is going, I think it can impact the entire defense. I think it can impact the entire stadium. He is that kind of player. Uh, he has a chance to be a Pro Bowl player in this league, and that should be no surprise to get him number six overall in the draft. But He's taking strides in the second year. You mentioned Leonard Williams. He got a sack last week against Jacksonville, um, former first-round pick. Sometimes he'll see a double-team attention, and that means other guys up front will get some one-on-one matchups. And the guy who's really jumped up on the radar for me is Mike McKagan uh, traded a seventh-round pick on the third day of the draft, the Indianapolis in exchange for Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson's been giving the Jets some nice push up front. I think the Jets are one of the few teams in the National Football League who have at least 10 sacks and at least 10 takeaways. So uh, even though they give up 503 yards to Jacksonville, uh, they've been doing some good things. So uh, Leonard Williams is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He can 
get after the quarterback. He's sound against the run. He's a sound football player. And then uh, the third guy I would mention here would be inside linebacker Darren Lee. He had his first two interceptions of his career that week one win against Detroit, including a pick six. Last week, Jacksonville took advantage of some coverage breakdowns, and you can't just point to the secondary for that. you got to look at the linebackers. And Darren Lee, and I spoke to Avery Williamson about it, he said sometimes we've got to be better with our drops, our depth in terms of those passes out of the backfield uh, to the running backs. But Darren Lee is well, he, the guy who's going to be sideline to sideline, going to be all over the field. I think for the most part, him and Avery Williamson have played pretty well. I think this week they got to play better against the Broncos. Eric, uh, it sounds like 10 takeaways, 10 sacks, that's a, a recipe for success defensively um, and would certainly pose a problem for this Broncos offense. As you look ahead to this Sunday, Bronco, Broncos coming off a short week, Jets returning home from Jacksonville. What stands out to you as the, the keys to this game for either team to kind of get off this losing streak and uh, get a win? Well, you probably can record just one podcast and, and just rewind it and press play every time you speak to somebody from an opposing uh, team or town. The Jets got to contend with Von Miller. Uh, I talked to Bart Scott, the former Jets linebacker, about that this morning. I said, hey, who, who is the premier edge rusher in the National Football League? Khalil Mack, who just got traded to Chicago, and everybody's talking about Mack because he's off to a, uh, a tour start himself uh, in Chicago or Von Miller. He said, hands down, it's Von Miller. So, I mean, when you have a guy like that, that's the first thing I think about is that how is how are the Jets going to contend with him? And bringing this full circle, the Jets have to find a way to run the football because that will take some heat off of Sam Darnold and company. So you can't play in passing situations against this Denver Broncos team who they have threats at all levels. I'm watching Brandon Marshall uh, Monday night, and, and I, I've been thinking to myself, oh, that guy's been making plays in this league for a while now. Chris Harris remains one of the top cornerbacks in football. Um, don't, don't, it, it took a miraculous effort on some plays from Patrick Mahomes to escape some of that pressure. You can't ask for miracles each time out against the Broncos. So you know they're going to be bringing the heat. You just have to find a way to run the football. And then conversely, on the other side of the ball, I would expect this defense that has a lot of pride to come out firing. Listen, um, the Broncos did some good things against the Chiefs. They ran the football, and I know Case Keenum's got some uh, reliable pass catchers on the outside when you think about the Aces guys, it's Emmanuel Sanders, it's Demarius Thomas. The Jets secondary, this whole entire unit has got to be in rebound mode. So, uh, you know, for them, they always say it starts with stopping the run. But uh, I think the pass coverage has to be better. They have to communicate better. A lot of those breakdowns against Jacksonville, it wasn't because uh, they're just getting destroyed at the line of scrimmage or the talent isn't there. It was communication breakdowns. They can't have those against the Broncos. You can't have those at home. I expect the Jets to come out here with an inspired effort, and it's going to be an interesting ballgame. Yeah, Von Miller uh, held without a sack the last two games. It'll be interesting to see what he does, what Sam Darnold does, Jamal Adams. Lots of guys to watch, lots of storylines, and I think uh, Broncos fans are certainly ready after uh, Monday night to get to another game, get back on the field. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. Eric, uh, thanks so much for joining us here. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me. We'll see you up here this weekend. Phil, that was part two of my conversation with Eric Allen of the New York Jets. Talked a little bit about what to expect this weekend when the Broncos take on the Jets and Sam Darnold. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about our thoughts on this game, but first, uh, you want to play one more game here? Yeah, Eric, it's time to play Who Said It? And we have another caller on the line. Uh, Who do we have joining the show? Slade Sharma. Slade, uh, welcome to the Neutral Zone. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from East Providence, Rhode Island. Nice. So uh, you're deep into uh, Patriots territory there. Yes, I am, and it is not great. Uh, How'd you become a Broncos fan? When I first started watching football, it was with my best friend around the time of fourth grade. I hadn't watched football previously. His family was actually from Colorado, so they were huge Denver Broncos fans. So, I mean, I started watching football with him, and I've been a huge Denver Broncos fan ever since. Nice. Uh, So I assume uh, you stayed up late and watched the game last night? Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, the outcome didn't uh, come out the way we were hoping for, but uh, maybe you'll be a winner here on Who Said It? Hopefully. I definitely need some positivity. (laughs) So uh, the way this works is I'll tell you a quote um, from something that happened during the postgame interviews. If you get two out of three right, we'll send you out a Broncos prize package. Okay. Okay, so uh, here's your first quote. Quote, we're a good team. We lost to a team that's 3-0, and they came back and beat us. They have an excellent quarterback who's very hot right now and excellent coaches. They just beat us. Chris Harris Jr. Yeah, that's Chris Harris Jr. Uh, he was a little bit frustrated coming off the field, of course, as the Broncos gave up a second and 30 situation as the Chiefs scored two late touchdowns to uh, overcome a 10-point deficit against the Broncos on Monday night. So uh, you got the first one there. Yeah, it's Chris Harris Jr. The play clock, the play clock was on zero. Uh, yes, it, I, we, I believe so. I believe it was, yes. <laughs> Um, Okay, here's our second quote here. I want to watch it on film, but it felt really close. There's a few, especially those type of plays, that I'll lose a little sleep over, thinking about it laying at at night in bed. It's a tough one. It stings. Hmm. Uh, 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 First, I thought maybe it was a coaching quote. Maybe I was going to say Vance Joseph. Uh, that's actually it's actually Case Keenum who said this one. Oh. Uh, he said he's going to oh, okay. be uh, laying in bed at night uh, thinking about that missed throw to Demarius Thomas. Uh, it looked like the Chiefs were in a bit of a cover two, and maybe if he finds Demarius there, who knows? He could have maybe walked into the end zone, and we're talking about a different outcome. So, yeah. All right, it's coming down to this. If you get this one right. Uh, you'll be a winner here on the neutral zone. So this is Vance Joseph, but who is he talking about with this one, okay? Okay. So it's Vance saying it, but who is he saying it about? Quote, he's got to perform better. We're at home, and it's his job. That isn't happening. He's got to play better. Marquette King. Yes. uh, He had a – Broncos went three and out there at the end of the fourth quarter, and the punt only went 35 yards, gave the ball to the Chiefs at the 40 with about 4.35 left to play. So uh, not the time to have one of your uh, worst punts of the season so far. So, uh, you, Slade, you are a winner here on the neutral zone. Oh, yes. I love the positivity. That's great news. 
And the Broncos are uh, making their way out to the East Coast this week to play the Jets. So uh, we'll be not necessarily in your neck of the woods, but uh, closer at least, right? Close enough, for sure. <laughs> All right, Slate, thanks for uh, coming he- on here on the Neutral Zone. Thank you very much. I would love to come on again sometime. All right, so we got two winners here on the Neutral Zone this week, Zach Cooper and Slade Sharma coming away with a couple of Broncos prize packages. Eric, uh, let's wrap up the show here and dive into the match a little bit more with the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I'm looking for most this weekend when we head to uh, New York, other than a, a nice slice of pizza, is going to be Bradley Chubb versus Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was a guy that on draft night, people were there were rumors swirling in this building that John Elway might move up to get Darnold to be the quarterback of the future, even with Case Keenum here. Obviously, that didn't happen. And then they went with Bradley Chubb. So what do those two top five picks do in their matchup against each other? Can Chubb get a sack? Is Darnold going to dice up this defense? Or does he throw another pick? He's got five on the season. Uh, it was known in college for kind of holding on to the ball a little bit. Does that give Von Miller and Bradley Chubb a chance to make a game-changing play? Yeah, facing another young quarterback. And the Broncos definitely scouted Sam Darnold a lot during the pre-draft process. You know, I'd like to see Bradley Chubb have a have a good game here. He's He's a guy who... You know, as a fifth overall pick, you have so much expectations on you to not just play solidly, but also make game-changing plays. And, you know, it's been a tough sledding, I think, for him a little bit. I'd like to see the Broncos maybe use him in different ways, have him not just always rushing from the outside or having him pick up the peel-off guy, you know, almost like how they use Shaq Barrett, but like, Bradley Chubb can be used almost like how the Bears or the Raiders before used Khalil Mack. He's big enough, strong enough. Let him rush from the inside. Let him, you know, disguise how he can get to the quarterback because I think that uh, we haven't seen his full skills on display so far. Yeah, I do think he's been able to disrupt at times, and obviously you saw against Baltimore he got a sack. There were several other plays during that game where he pushed the pocket and made Flacco uncomfortable. He just hasn't quite been able to put it all together, and I think – it's hard to watch some of these quarterbacks that were drafted near Chubb make big plays. It's hard to watch Denzel Ward pick off some passes because those are guys that Bradley Chubb's inevitably inevitably going to get compared to. But I wonder in terms of kind of where you play him, if that's got to do some with, hey, it's his first year, we're throwing him in as a starter right away, let's give him one position that he can learn really well and try to excel at that so that if this Broncos team uh, is able to make a playoff push, then later in the year Bradley Chubb's in a spot where he can really help you and excel in a spot instead of kind of being average at several spots. Well, and that you can say that maybe he's being uh, trying to do too much right now. You know, he's trying to always make that big play when maybe if he just focused on just what he's, his job was. I know that we have a famous line, the Bill Belichick, do your job. Uh, also, a nice uh, eau de toilette, maybe. Uh, I think you might have bought that, right, Eric? <laughs> it was a little above my price range, Phil. <laughs> yeah, do your job. Uh, but just do your job. I think that if Bradley Chubbs asked to go out there and say, hey, get after the quarterback, just focus on that, I think he's going to have some more success here. But, uh, you know, looking into this matchup some more, I think that uh, I'd like to see Case Keenum have a really uh, big uh, game. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week one. That that game-winning touchdown pass against the Seahawks to Demarius Thomas. And, you know, I think he's had his moments where he's really been able to move the ball and stuff. But you haven't seen the one of those, like, really big games where he just plays perfect. And the Jets have a strong secondary. So I'm really interested to see how he responds after, uh, you know, 
a game plan that really focused on using the run against the Chiefs, see if he uh, maybe wants to come out and air it out a little bit. Right, and I think it's somewhat been a kind of an anomaly that he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. You know, let's look just at this week against the Chiefs. You know, he had a, a deep throw to Cortland Sutton where Cortland Sutton's interfered with, uh, we thought, Phil, in the end zone. Uh, they yeah, put the ball should have been on the one-yard line. They put, they put the ball at the five. The Broncos did score a touchdown, so it was okay. It was all good. But uh, if Cortland catches that, obviously, which he almost did, that's a touchdown pass. Uh, I think there are a couple other situations there um, where Case Keenum may have had the opportunity to do that, but like you said, the run game was just working so well that Royce Freeman runs it in from 14 yards out. You're probably not expecting that. You might pass the ball in the next down. So as long as the Broncos are scoring touchdowns, they're okay. But, but yeah, I think you're right. And talking with uh, Eric Allen, our guest earlier, he said that some of those crossing routes and stuff in the middle of the field where you can pick on linebackers uh, could really be open. So let's see maybe if Emmanuel Sanders can get some space crossing the field, if there's room for some catches and runs. Maybe uh, Jeff Hireman can continue his uh, his good play. You know, I think he caught the most passes of his career on Monday night against the Chiefs. So maybe there's an opportunity in the middle of that defense because you're right, the secondary is good. You got Jamal Adams at safety who uh, – first-round pick from, I believe, LSU mm-hmm. a couple of years yep. ago. Um, he's he's going to be a tough player to kind of go against back there, but maybe you can find a soft spot in the middle. Yeah, and you just want to see you know, him just have uh, one of those games that's just like, hey, he puts the critics to rest a little bit and uh, you know, says, hey, this off- – and if you get a win like that and the offense is moving good, you just feel a lot better about yourself because, yeah, the Broncos are 2-2 two and two and they've been playing well, but, like, they haven't had a moment where you're like, this team is really good or anything like that. So if you can get maybe some production like that from the offense where, hey, they put up a bunch of points. You know, you heard Chris Harris Jr. say something at the end of the game against the Chiefs. He said, in the NFL today, you got to score at least 30 points. And – uh you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I, I think the way the rules are set up, you got to have offensive execution. And we saw that at the end of the game. Sometimes I'm a believer of this. Sometimes good, good offense beats good defense. Yeah, I think the, the rules are certainly set up that way. I mean, just look at Monday. The Broncos played really good defense for three and a half quarters, and the really good offense still won, unfortunately. Um and if you look, I know we're, we're talking about the Jets, but to go back to that for just a second, if you look at the first drive of the game where the Broncos kicked a field goal or right before halftime where the Broncos kicked a field goal or uh, their last score of the game where they kicked a field goal after a big play, if any of those become touchdowns, all of a sudden the worst you can do on that last Chiefs drive is tie and go to overtime. And then all of a sudden you're driving down the field looking to, to kick the game winner. So you're right there that if the Broncos can put up 27 points, 30 points, they're going to be really hard to beat because this defense does play well when it has a lead. I thought the defense did a tremendous job on Travis Kelsey for most of the night against the Chiefs. You know, the the tight end had been a position where they had struggled with, and they he had zero catches in the first half. And uh, you know, I think they made those adjustments and played well. So yeah, if this offense can score thirty points. Most of the time, I think that that's going to be good enough for a win. I will say I don't think this Jets game is going to be a walkover by any stretch of the imagination. No, so no, if, you're, no. if you're a Broncos fan and you think, hey, you just played in Baltimore and they're a tough team that just beat the Steelers, and then you had to play the Chiefs, which are the only undefeated team in the AFC, if you think this is going to be a cakewalk, that's not the case. I mean, they, they lost to Jacksonville pretty handedly last weekend. But Jacksonville is a team that was in the AFC Championship last year. Blake, Borders, Blake Bortles is playing better. But in their other games, you know, they barely lost to Cleveland at home on a short week. They lost to Miami uh, 
in a game in which Darnold had a chance to to bring him to a fourth quarter win, and then they crushed the Lions in Darnold's first start. So I expect that this is going to be a tight game for most of it, and maybe the Broncos are able to to pull it out in the fourth quarter by a couple scores, but I don't think this is a game where the Broncos are going to come out and blitz them right from the start. No, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, Sam Darnold was a number three pick, uh, number three overall pick for a reason. So uh, he's clearly capable. If you're not ready to go, not ready to play, then he can he can beat you. And, you, you know, the Broncos have had some trouble going on the road and getting a win. So uh, although the Broncos did have some success against the Jets last year when they uh, came to Denver. It's true. That was one of the lone bright spots. Uh, talked about that with Eric Allen a little bit. But, you know, I think 23 to nothing, a shutout win. It was, it was a good moment. Both of these teams are very different, though. And uh, with Darnold, I think two things you can expect. He's going to make those big throws. But he's also going to take some sacks. He's been sacked at least twice in all four of his games. And he's probably going to throw a pick or two. So can the Broncos take advantage of that at an opportune time? And you think about it from their perspective. They come in one and three. You know, their backs are up against the wall. So a one and three team versus a two and two team, it seems like there's a lot on the line. It's early in the season, but, uh, you know, it's never, you know, I don't want to say it's a must-win game, but it, it does seem like maybe the season, uh, this could be a turning point in the season. Certainly if you want to stay in contention for the division. I mean, you still got Kansas City again, so you'll get a chance to get a head-to-head win. But if you lose this week and you fall to 2-3 and three and the Chiefs pick up a win, then you're all of a sudden three and a half games behind them uh, going into week six. So that's that's not a situation you want to be in. And I think like you said at the beginning of the show, if you want to be a playoff team, this is a game that you, you need to win. Yep. That's 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 the simplest way you can put it. Yep. You have to win this game if you want to be in the in the playoff hunt. Because already there's teams that are three and one. There's a bunch of wild card teams or potential wild card teams that are three and one. And so you gotta you gotta keep pace. I know it's week five, but we saw in twenty sixteen when the Broncos were nine and seven that had they just had one more win, they would have made it in. And then you obviously you never know what happens at that point. But they just they ran out of games. They lost a couple that they needed to win to teams that they needed to win them against. They lost to Tennessee, and I believe Tennessee made the playoffs that year. Yeah, exactly. So you got you got to find a way to get a, a victory on the road here against uh, the New York Jets, Sam Darnold and company. And uh, I know that the Jets secondary also likes to call itself the no fly zone. So. Uh, I don't that's know. awkward. That's awkward. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this episode of the Neutral Zone. Our thanks to Eric Allen of NewYorkJets.com. Also, our two callers, Zach Cooper and Slade Sharma, for coming on the show. Uh, we'll get back to a normal show next week. We'll have a player guest. Um, More Phil Milani next week. Yeah, exactly. This sort of turned into the Eric Delala show. I'm not sure what. We might need a, the Neutral Zone with Eric Delala and I, Phil Milani. You might, like the sound of that. We might need to, to twist that a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if that it just doesn't let us know what right. you think, listeners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rate us, uh, you know, leave a review. <laughs> yes, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Google Play. Is that are we available? I, I heard a, a podcast might be available on Google Play. Hmm. Could be wrong, but it's worth it. Well, it's worth checking it out. Well, make sure to check us out and then also leave a review because that's how this neutral zone goes to the top. Goes to the top. You'll you'll have been on the ground floor before. We're very famous. It's kind of like the stock market where you buy low. Very, <laughs> and then very you never low. sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never sell. It's just you those just little penny going. stocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, anyway, thank you for listening this week. And uh, 
That'll do it for us. Make sure to follow Eric Dalala. He's a big-time superstar now at Eric Dalala on Twitter. And also, you can follow me too, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, there's some Ryder Cup takes on my Twitter if <laughs> if you're all in the Broncos golf right. fan. Uh, now you know we've gone off the rails here a little bit. So uh, <laughs> uh, make sure to uh, give us a follow. And uh, thank you, as always, for listening. You've been listening to The Neutral Zone. <laughs>